Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Yo, he's had a problem with his mouth Going off when it wasn't Supposed to He says it's because of his awful plans Of course it's not his fault It's an answer to the full Vanderbilt He lied to friends He lied to foes He lied to his boss who get his job Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out podcast. That was Feeble with Anthem. That's from their self-titled 7-inch. If you liked what you heard, you live in the Pennsylvania area, specifically Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. On December 8th and December 28th, they'll be playing at Spanky's Fourth Dimension. That's 831 Ann Street in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Call ahead if you'd like, 717-424-7434. Doors at 7 p.m. December 8th. They'll be playing with Solace, Digger, Autumn, and Option. That show, five freaking dollars. And later that month, 
they'll be playing with Snapcase, Despair, and E-Town Concrete. I'm not sure which E-Town Concrete this is because the spelling is so bad it could be any, but I do believe it is the only E-Town Concrete opening. That show, of course, also $5. These two shows at Spanky's, Fourth Dimension, 300 years ago. This isn't recent at all. These aren't upcoming. These are in the past. This band is from the past. They are a Pennsylvania hardcore band. You might recognize the voice there. These guys were in lots of bands, but most notably, that's Mad Joe Black of Wisdom and Chains. No doubt, I'd consider that my favorite Pennsylvania hardcore 7-inch of all time. And you might say, that's pretty niche, Dan. Hardcore 7-inch from Pennsylvania. Does anybody really rate things like that? I do. Yeah, I do. And this one's it. I wish... It could get a, a nice reissue treatment. Actually, I wish the whole discography would get a nice reissue treatment. Uh, hopefully that's coming soon down the line. Uh, I know From Within Records has done stuff for Crutch. Uh, I forget what records record labels have done. Other things like No Retreat, Screaming Crow. They just put out that 7-inch, uh, or I'm sorry, LP, Pray for Peace, which has just picked up a 20-year anniversary of that. So it's possible. All right. So I'm just putting it out there in the atmosphere. Let's get some feeble reissues. And what better time to talk about doing reissues than on this episode that I've got where we're talking exclusively reissues with Joe Nelson of Trust Records. Today, they release SSD controls. The kids will have their say for the first time in over 40 years. And there's a lot of excitement about that. So we're going to talk quite a bit about that and more. But first, it's Hot Zone, baby. Check it! Make family out of friends, make friends out of enemies! Peace to my family, make friends till they bury all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out, we be getting it in! Where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out, we be getting it in! Where you getting it out? I don't know what age it is exactly, but there becomes an age where you actually have to think about how old you are. I truly can't remember when that started. Uh, sometimes my daughter will ask me or my wife will ask me, like, how old are you? And I have to do the calculation, which is really, really kind of pathetic, you know, but it's true. It has to be done. Uh, that comes up because today is my birthday. So if you want to send gifts, you're already late. So send apologies instead. I'm not that old yet. But I'm getting there. Going to be old one day eventually if I make it. I always think I'm not going to make it. I always think I'm going to die pretty early. That's just a thing I've been saying my whole life. Why? I don't know. It's pretty morbid. Other people who are around me and close to me don't like it one bit. And yet I keep doing it. I should stop. I should stop saying that. Anyway, uh, I guess it's not early if I've made it this far. So that's pretty good, right? I'm at the halfway point. We know that for sure. Uh, the American male life expectancy. I'm halfway there. I don't know if that's saying a whole lot, but it's saying something. Hey, and recently I got blood work done and did a body scan and all sorts of medical bullshit. And it all came back uh, good. Doctor said, hey, nothing to talk about. No problems. And I'd say that's a good sign. Right. But I'm always convinced something's going to sneak up on me. Where are these tumors growing at? Huh? They're getting by quickly. I got a pain in my back. Started just yesterday as I was running. Maybe that's a good thing. I, I still do exercise quite a bit. And, you know, I didn't start doing that until I was uh, in my early 30s, I should say. Athlete as a kid, <laughs> athletes a stretch. I played basketball and skateboarded all the way through high school. And then I pretty much drank for 15 years. Uh, and, and then in my early 30s, 
I uh, started running, started working out out of spite and got pretty good at it. Lost a ton of weight in the good, in a good way, you know, and uh, have been kind of pretty consistent with it ever since. Uh, So anyway, I was running yesterday. My back started hurting and I couldn't tell you why. And I ran for three miles, probably a little sideways. And uh, I slept terribly last night because of it. And I usually sleep like a baby. This is my like biggest skill. I sleep wonderfully almost every single night. I fall asleep like nothing's ever happened to me before. Like I've got no trauma in my mind. I'm very stress-free, usually uh, all the time. But when I go to bed, man, I just go to bed and I sleep and then I wake up in the morning. And last night was not one of those nights. So that combined with the fact that it is my birthday today, you've got this version of me staring death in the face, just talking to you about it. But hey, you know what? Let's change the subject and talk about something uh, almost as equally as old as I am. Actually, it's older than I am. It's SSD controls. The kids will have their say reissued today officially on Trust Records. People have wanted this for years. Al Baril and company have been holding it tight, close to their chest, and have finally released the grip, and it's here for all of us. I don't know about you, but I pre-ordered this thing immediately when I saw it was available. And if you'd ask me how much I like SSD, I'd say they're pretty cool, but this record is special. So I grabbed it the second I could. And if you haven't heard it, Well, you're going to hear all about it. I should play you a song from it first. And you know I'll do that. But I want to tell you what a pleasure it was to talk to my man, Joe Nelson, about everything Trust Records and especially SSDs. The kids will have their say. So rather than me tell you about how cool it was to talk to him, I'll just let you listen to me talk to him. But first, we're going to play a track from The Kids Will Have Their Say. And what better way to roll into this thing than with maybe the most popular track on the record? Definitely the opening track on the record. One you might know, even if you don't know the band. This one is called Boiling Point. trust records until recently but i think that's for good reason so where the hell did trust records come from well first off that's great that you that you're hearing people are hearing about it so like it's it's good that the name's getting out there it's slow burn so trust records is the brainchild of a guy named matt pincus and myself matt pincus played bass in a band called judge pretty well-known new york hardcore band he's on the bring it down record he plays still plays in judge when he can uh matt went on to have a really successful music career he still has he's causing even crazier music career now but within it within this world of his he started a company called songs publishing songs publishing it's a huge publishing company independent publishing company um i won't bore anyone with 
you know, the, the behind the scenes of music publishing because it's freaking boring. But at the time, he I think he had about 10% of the market share, which as an independent publisher is a lot. He sold that for a chunk of money. Uh, and we started Trust Records from that. I mean, not with all the money, but with a little bit. Because when we were doing songs to back up, we did a nonprofit called Know Your Rights through his company. And Know Your Rights was just set up as a nonprofit publishing company that would just help punk and hardcore musicians or metal musicians. Anyone who came to us, we would do their publishing for free. And I just did it as like part-time. I mean, I made my, made my money in music merchandising. So like it was just like a kind of a give back to the community kind of thing we were doing. But in doing that, we've kind of found there was like a disconnect especially with punk rock and hardcore, which is the genre we, our music genre we come from. Like it didn't seem like it translated well in streaming. It felt like there's labels like discord that are still vibrant and doing great work. And you don't have to worry about discord and there's revelation records. Jordan's done a great job, but there were a lot of labels that just have been neglected or they just kind of fall with the white side or even full records that weren't available for streaming. And we just had this conversation that you could do all the work you want registering songwriter for publishing, but if there's no money to collect from their product, their art, what's the point? And that's where trust records was kind of born. We decided like, wouldn't it be worthwhile? And it would also be a ton of fun to start kind of a reissue hardcore punk label. that might kind of branch out to some other genres. It's not solely married into that genre specifically, but the idea was underground music. Let's go try to buy some masters from people. Let's try to button up estates. Let's try to buy labels and repurpose uh, their art into the marketplace with some money behind it and do all the bells and whistles we're trying to do with the physical releases and just have tell the story with the idea being the Trust Records is a nonprofit label, not saying that we don't make some money, but all the money Matt doesn't need. So all the money goes back into the label. We try to be artist friendly as we possibly can. And Matt's idea is at some point, we'll see if we can hand this off to like a museum or a university with a music program and try to have someone else steward this, you know, into the future when we're all dead and gone. So that's the point of it. So trust and trust has a duality of the meaning, like trust, obviously you can understand why you consider it trust, but also one of the bands we both love is seven seconds. And they had a song called trust on a record called the crew that we put out. And when we were coming out with names, we were just like, I mean, I new rose by the damned or whatever. We we're just throwing out names and trust was one of the kind of stuck that this duality to it. Cause it was a record that meant a ton to us as kids. And it also is kind of like what we're trying to do with this record label is create kind of a, a trust. That's very cool. And uh, I was going to say, as you were talking, the whole trust thing uh, came to mind. And uh, obviously, you know that, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, too. And this is something we both have talked about is I'm 53. Matt's, I think, a year younger than me. Uh, we were troubled teenagers, man. Anyone who's in them, I don't know your background. I don't know you. I'm guessing you came to the music you love because somewhere as a teenager, it helped you. It's you found a purpose. You found something that spoke to you. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to Matt. I have said it saved my life. Like I was a troubled teenager. And when I found music, especially the hardcore punk scene, I found some identity. I found like a self-esteem. I found friends. Not that I didn't have friends, but I just found a path and music clicked to me. It put us both into a musical career where that's all we've done. I've, I've only done music related things. I mean, I had a skateboard. I worked for a skateboard mail order company um, at one point, but like, and same with Matt. And it was kind of like third act of life, like full circle. Like it'd be fun to 
give back to the people that inspired you and the people that we're talking about, Seven Seconds and Keith Morris and Circle Jerks, they didn't make a lot of money with their records. You know, they were they were in a time that they just got kind of <laughs> looked over as far as paying anyone for their art. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of all kind of came full circle. And, you know, it's taken a couple of years to get on the track, but I think we're on a, on a pretty good track right now with it. Mm-hmm. Why now? Well, I think, I just think we kind of came to that. It was, a, as I was mentioned earlier, we had this, you know, man had this publishing company. We're doing this work within the publishing company that we just kind of recognized a disconnect between streaming the digital world of music, which we're in, and this analog age of music would come from where how it's tough to translate because a lot, look at it this way too. A lot of the records don't, they're not mastered for digital streaming. So especially those punk and hardcore records that we're talking about, like they were lo-fi recordings to begin with. So when you take these lo-fi recordings, you throw up on Spotify, you throw up on a streaming service, it's, they're quiet things like the frequencies are off. Uh, So that was part of it too, is like re is remastering the stuff and getting into like the digital platforms where it sounds great, like where it sounds big and full and, and, and not just like this thin, you know, some of these, some of these records here, you can just tell it's a needle drop recording. Like you can just tell they recorded the vinyl. You can hear it. You're static in some songs. So that's kind of too, is like buttoning up the art and making sure it translates well into streaming and digital, but also reintroducing the marketplace because seven seconds, you know, the crew, the trust that record's great. And that's, a, and if you're a kid and you find today in 2023 and you stumble across seven seconds and you kind of understand some context about them, uh, which we try to do with our records. Like, I think you could, it could click. I think you would find me the, the lyrics are, you know, the lyrics still resonate. The, the, the thing about all kinds of this music, this punk and hardcore, it's like, it's such a young, it's it, when it's created, it's usually created a teenage early adult space that translates always generationally because the fears and concerns of youth they're the same now as they were then and they'll be the same in the future you know i mean with exception of a couple of things yeah no somebody with uh young <laughs> kids i'm 16 and 10 yeah it's pretty much the you, same. Have, so you have two kids 16 and 10 you're in it i don't have kids <laughs> yeah. So you, 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 yeah it's up to you to guide them now <laughs> yeah uh well no this i think it's it's really it's a really cool thing what you guys are doing with Trust Records. And it's kind of interesting to me that somebody didn't do this before or earlier, I should say, because there's been plenty of years of people saying, why the fuck isn't uh, the kids will have their say on streaming? Why, why isn't this record available? Why isn't yeah. this record? Like, it's been a, a, a big thing that people complain about. But at the same time, I think a lot of us, and I'm sure you come across this too, are under the impression that certain records aren't streaming because certain people don't want them to be on streaming. So yeah. I don't know. It's so it's, so it's, yeah, I think, I think it's a mixed bag of everything you're yeah. throwing. I think it's like, there's some cases of this, like if we, use, we could talk about SSD specifically SSD kids will have their say, which is the record that we just put out, which is a, a classic album that had a lot of mythology behind it, a lot of mystique and mystery that hadn't been in print since 1982. And a lot of that was because Al Burrill, the guy who curated that stuff, the guitar player of SSD and the founder of Exclaim Records, which those first two SSD records are on, you know, he went, he grew, he didn't say grew up, but at some point he was work, he's a program, I mean, pro, he's a, a project manager, an engineer for, you know, GE in Boston for like 30 years. I mean, he just had a job. He's just a guy, you know what I mean? So to him, he's right. just like, I'm not worried about it. 
And then I think also once you get some, you know, I'm speaking for Al now, which I shouldn't do, but he'll be fine is when you get distance from it, the further you get away from it, I think, and it's kind of been my experience doing this label. It's harder for people to give it up at that point. So then I think when you're SSD and some of these other bands, like you just kind of get to a point where you don't know what to do. Al and SSD have been approached by every single label. To bet, do. Yeah. And, 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 and he just never felt comfortable. And then there was part of it where he was just like, you know, I kind of did it. Like a lot of artists like that don't want to look backwards too well, too far. They don't want to, it's just a weird process. And I think he got, got to his point at his age, you know, he's retired now. It's where he did want to look back and he did want to put it out. And that's what we're doing. And I'm glad he is because it's one of those records. Like I said, when Matt and I were laying on a list, it was one of the top records on the list. I mean, this was not streaming. It was gone. And we were like, what happens when we lose these guys? Then it's just kind of gone because then it's a right. fight. Like you lose someone to say like Al Baril, who who's the, really the rights holder of that record. Well, then what happens? He doesn't have kids. Like, does it just kind of disappear? And that's a fear. Uh, and that's kind of fear with some other records too. But, but like, it's, it's a little bit more than that. I think it's also just kind of why people haven't done it in the past. It's, it's not a real profit driven model. You know, we're, we're lucky to have Matt uh, who can kind of prop us up as we get on our feet, but we've only been a label for three years, really three years going on four, and we only have eight releases. So anyone wants to do the math in their head, there's no money being <laughs> like, no one's getting rich <laughs> off this. The point is, is like, we already did okay in our lives with our careers. I'm 53. I do this. and I do a merch business on the side. So I, you know what I mean? Matt's doing these, he's a, he's a the head of a, of a company that does like a fund, like a fund that goes and buys like into music properties and stuff. And he manages like a, you know, billion dollar fund or whatever he's doing. It's like fucking, you know, on a different planet than when I'm doing, I'm making Sam Hagar t-shirts. on the side. <laughs> but the point is, is together we just have found a real joy in trying to help these guys out and just, and just being part of like putting out this SSD record. It's so fun. Like it's been such a blast to see it back out and see all the fanfare and the press. And, to, you know, I think that's how you found us or found me like SSD, you know? Yeah. Well, that's how I, that's how I connected with you, but I've, I first found or heard about trust. I don't, I don't know if it was seven seconds or, or, or circle jerk three issues, by the way, which was the first, what was the first record? And was that the first record that you wanted to do? Uh, it's kind of, so, so when we first started, this has gone through some, it's still a work in progress and it's still fluid. When we first came with the concept, the idea was we would go to people and ask them to donate their masters into a trust. Like we would, we would administrate the trust. They would donate them, take the tax write off. And, it, it, you know, it was kind of like a very utopian, like pie in the sky thinking like, kumbaya, we're all going to come in. But then you start talking to guys and you're like, no one wants to, you know, it's their art. They want they didn't get paid on it to begin with. They don't want to just give it up for free. So then we kind of changed the model. Um, the first people we approached were Sean and Mark Stern about BYO. Uh, hmm. There's some other bands we approached. Um, I'm trying to think who else, but it was, it was that stat. BYO was definitely the first, and then some other labels. Um, and then this is how this worked: is I do merchandising for a living, or I, I you know, I was full time at that point, and I was friends with the Circle Jerks, and there are people who were putting them back together. They were hadn't been a band for X amount of years. 
There's a reunion. They brought me in to consult on their merchandising. Uh, cause they were like, we want to really do the merchandising, right? They have that Sean Carey logo, the skanking guy. I mean, they have great, if you're to get branding wise, they have great branding, great logos. And you could do a lot with their merchandising, which if you ever go to circle jerk show in 2023 or 2024, their merchandising program is pretty robust, man. It's like kiss, which is kind of funny, but the point is I consulted with them on that. And in that, in that, in that talk, and it was a free consultation. I want to add that it came to light that they had their masters back for group sex while in the streets uh, and maybe going saw of hits. And I just threw out, Hey, we're doing this record label. What do you think? And Keith Morris bless them was like, I like that. I like the, what you're trying to do. Let, I want to be the first, I want circle jerks group sex to be the first record that comes out in trust. And Matt and I were just like, wow. Well, okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, we accept your deal, Keith Morris. And he has been nothing. I mean, it's just so awesome. Like we launched our label with Keith Morris, Circle Jerks, Group Sex. Uh, it came out in 2020, which was pandemic still, and put us on the map and did great. And within that, we got that's where we, other people started coming to us. Al Burrell from SSD immediately came to me through Keith because he was like, I want to do that. That He started that conversation in 2020, but we, we talked for years and years before he accepted a deal. And that was earlier this year. Hmm. Well, that's a, that was a strange time to put out a first record because I, well, I know for me in some ways I was buying a shitload of records then. You and me both. I think a lot of people, half of this room is filled up because of, I can see it. I can hear there's mine. You can see mine over here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) was filled up during that time. Um, is that, is that what you guys found that that's to that quick blessing and a curse. So imagine this, like we have, we don't know what if to press 4,000 records or 20,000 records. We just don't know. What we do know is we got, we're going to remaster this record. We're putting together this deluxe package. It is a 40th anniversary. We're putting in this book. It is a Circle Jerks. It's all getting announced in the press uh, at the same time. Circle Jerks are back. They're going to go on a tour. Here's the record or whatever, you know, whatever. And so we were like, great. In a perfect storm, the problem was we pressed, we went to our distributors and we have real distributors who've been doing this for a long time and talked to them about what we thought they, we should order. They went to their stores. The accounts came back and said, you know, we could take 3000. So we're like, okay, well, if they're going to take 3000, we'll press a thousand for the D to C the direct to consumer online store. And we'll go, we'll just go from there. 4,000 records. By the end of the day that those went on sale, they were all sold out because I had to take all, almost all the retail back. And put it at the D to C because we sold out of those first thousand in less than 24 hours, like six hours. And then we're like, Whoa. And then you're in this pandemic, which everyone who's been through, which is all of us, I imagine, unless you have some two-year-olds listening that <laughs> there were some real supply chain issues. There's all kinds oh, of yeah. shut down making records. is just pressing them in a plant. You got to get the cardboard. You got to get the wax. You got to get, I mean, it's a process. So the supply chain was broken. And we were told at that time we could rush in 6,000 records as a favor, but it was going to be about a year to get more records. So in our minds, we're like, okay, we pressed 6,000 records. We pressed another 6,000 records because we're like, the other 6,000 records are going to come in a year or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And the problem we ran into was 
uh, what we've learned now looking back is, is pandemic sh- online shopping was about 40% higher than the norm. Right. So our idea. numbers, even though they were great, we sold out of that, we sold 10,000 circle jerk records before the street day because that other pressing came in and sold out to all the stores, but we're still sitting on some records. Not a lot. We're still sitting on a little because you realize like, Oh, okay. We came out of the pandemic. Now people aren't spending that money. It's come down about 40%. And also uh, the supply chain thing, we had ordered even seven seconds. We were ordering a year, 18 months out, forecasting 18. I mean, it's just crazy. So you're forecasting out 18 months with flawed data, right? So we, you're overproducing records. And that happened with the first couple of releases where we, we, we overproduced a little. Not, not terrible, but like one of those things where it was a hard lesson to learn because, you know, inventory is a killer of any company. Sure. You know, sure, but like I said, we're lucky that we kind of have a different model and we were able to kind of just like, all right, we'll learn our lesson and move on. Well, that's a, that's a lot to to go through, to experience in the first couple releases for a mm-hmm. label. It's a totally different, um, I think, problem. Yeah, <laughs> right? well, like, yeah sorry to interrupt you, but I, I just, just to finish a thought on this, you know, it also kind of, you know, we don't know what we're like. Circle Jerks Group Sex is an iconic record. So then does that translate to the other records? How Seven right, Seconds yeah. the crew? Right. And then seven seconds was great, but aggression don't be mistaken, which is a record we inherited from BYO, a classic record. Uh, you know, those all those members are deceased who were on it, except for for uh Mark Rooney, Mark Aber, the drummer. That record was tough. That that came out right after the pandemic was over, and people were like, I'm out <laughs> shopping. It was a summer record. That record did not do as well, no fault of its own, but just because the way the timing was and it's the way we didn't understand really the, our audience yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's what I was getting to is that typically a new label starts off and the idea, the thought is, Oh, I wonder if we're going to sell any and right. uh, may, maybe they have some luck and, you know, we'll press 500. Um, but with you guys, that's amplified by, you know, thousands, well, not thousands, but you know, so that's, that's very cool, but I'm, I'm, it seems like it's all worked out. And I was going to get to the, to a record like the aggression record, uh, definitely less known than the other stuff you put out, which I feel like you did again with the DFL record, which, um, which I thought was very cool to do. Yeah, thank um, you. I did too. specifically DFL. I don't, DFL is a band that I felt like I was the only person who knew, who knew of them in my, where I grew up in Pennsylvania. And that might've been true. And I don't mean that to sound cool. I just mean, there was one song on one comp that I got at one point when I was really young. And like, I just thought it was the coolest fucking song on it. And compared to everybody else, they sounded like an actual hardcore band. And so when I see, uh, when I see a band like them getting a, you know, a reissue like that, like you just did for my crazy life, I think that's, that's super cool. Yeah, thank you. And I would just speak to DFL. That it, it, that's kind of one of those records where Matt and I kind of huddled after the first year or two. And we're like, look, we got to be really careful that we're not, we're, I'm 53. Like I come from a different generation, but this is a music and a culture that speaks to multi-generations. Like, so let's get into the nineties. Let's not like be an eighties reissue label. Let's not stick to like the stuff we grew up on. Let's kind of push it. I knew DFL because Ad-Rock was in the, in the band. That's how I discovered them. And I, I love that seven inch, which the, the full length that we kind of put out, it's like a reinterpretation of, um, but that's just one of those things you get, you meet these guys, you meet Monty, uh, Tom, and, and you hear their story and just, it's so fucking cool. And I, I, if if you get the DFL record through us, I mean, it still comes with this oral history that, 
that we put together that John from Punk News put together. It's fucking incredible read. It's mm-hmm. if you get it, have you read it yet? If not, no, I'm I haven't got it. The, the only send me your address. I'm sending you the oral history. You'll dig it. <laughs> Glad, gladly. The only thing that I've ordered so far is the. I picked up Circle Jerks in store, but I ordered the SSD one. Like I said, I grabbed that immediately. And and funny to say, I, sh- I this shouldn't be an insult to anybody, but I don't even love that record like people do, the SSD record. But it was just like, it was the exclusivity of it. And like, the holy shit, this is finally available. I want to have it. I want to have a copy. So I ordered it immediately. And this yeah. might take us down a whole different path. But I specifically went and ordered... The one that was less exclusive as far as pressing, because I don't typically care about that. I wanted the one that was black, though, the black cover. Which right. I saw on your site, you had one that was white, which brings me to a question I was going to get to anyway. Right. When when it comes to reissues, what do you prefer a reissue to look like? The original or uh, it's revamped? A great question. And SSD is going to be a perfect example of us as a company kind of changing and still kind of growing and figuring the paths out with... Anything we put out, it's a con- it's a it's a conversation with the artist about what they want it to be, and we want their dreams to come true. So DFL, those guys had all kinds of ideas. If you get the record, it's got a it's, it's like DeBoss. It has like like really slick packaging, and and Brian Ray Turcott, who who laid that record out, also laid out recreate the SSD records of Wizard. So it's really special. But that was their they just ran with it, and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, seven seconds. Kevin and I, Kevin seconds, I talk that has this different vibe with SSD. The conversation really started with Ian McKay and Brian Ray Turcott, uh, separate conversations, but around the same time is I had a visit with Ian. who's just been a really great, uh, help to us. Like he's just been so kind and generous with his time where if I have a question and I hit him up, he's back within 24 hours with an answer. Uh, which is just invaluable, you know, insight, right? <laughs> well, he had the comment we started talking about because with our reissues, uh, the packaging is expensive. And we're trying to keep, we're always conscious of the price points. We're trying to sell these records for 25 to $30, you know, we, we you know, in, to the, to the consumer, but also want to put in, you know, all the bells and whistles, a lot of marketing. We want to put in these deluxe packages, these books and everything's remastered. And they were the, some of the records were coming with seven inches to begin with. And they're not great. You know, like I said, we're not a label that's really concerned about the bottom line, but we can't be in the red operationally. Right. Those records are expensive. So we had to start having this conversation that was with Ian was like, what do you think? And he was like, you know, kind of fuck all that, put out the records <laughs> and SSD. And he, well, he made a good point. He was like, you know, if you're a true, like, we're, you know, we're like a historical reissue label. Mm-hmm. You would want the records to be in their purest form of the first pressing of how they came out. That's how you would want the packaging to be because that's what it was. And we've done that to an extent, but a lot of our records are gatefolds and stuff. So the packaging is manipulated with right. SSD. It seemed like the perfect record to maybe break the mold because that record to your point, it hadn't been around. I mean, it, it had been out of press since 1982 and it's a, it was a really uh, mythological kind of, Record you even to hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Get it, you'd have to spend about two grand. To get a decent copy. <laughs> You had yeah. to spend about $10,000 and there was only 1900 made. And it was a, just this really interesting record that had just kind of lived in the ethos of time for 40 years. And so the idea was like, if you're ever going to do a recreation without the, the books and all that, this would be the record to do it. And so Brian Ray Turcott recreated that record, the packaging so slick and, and anyone who gets it, like that record was laid out by Al as a teenager on board so it's cut and paste boards like you know the titles are cut out if you look at the original record it's imperfect the 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 titles and the text bleed over the sides it's cut off it's crooked at the bottom there's there's typos and weird freaking printing errors we recreated that to the t because we want it that's a record no one has but it should be in its purest form. So if you get the trust records edition, the only thing you'll probably notice is instead of discord, which was one of the labels that put it out, it just says right. trust. Right. Everything else is pure to the, I mean, the printer called us who was putting the record together and complained that we had put, we that we laid it out wrong because the type had gone over the bleed or just to the bleed. And they're worried yeah. about cutting off. And we, Brian was like, that's intentional. And like, you're fucking crazy. cut it off, man. <laughs> it's going to look wrong. And they, and they, they fixed it. So it was straight. We're like, no, man, it has yeah. to be like this. And then we were like, shit, I hope it works out. <laughs> it's also <laughs> it's like, maybe they know something we don't. And it's going to be like SD instead of SD control. Like the S is going to be cut off, but it worked right. out. No, that's cool. That's cool. And as, as uh, like we were talking about before, um, Printing and manufacturing is like kind of, you know, it's my, it's my world. So, and I've done it with packaging too. So I really enjoy like a deluxe style package, but also I love just the classic straight up record. Like the, you know, the, that looks like an old, I always, I feel like every time I have, oh, lately, every time I have a conversation here, I always end up gesturing to these, there's a, there's a bunch of motorhead reissues here. Yeah, man. You got, the, you got the, the same, you got that same box. That that's a great book, that motorhead. The, well, this is it's the yeah, it's the 40th anniversary editions. Yeah. They just came out with another one last week for an, another perfect day. Um and like they're nothing like the originals, right? They're these yeah. books with three LPs, but they're cool as hell, you know. And, so, and now it's like, oh, now I need to own all of them. So um, so like I I I get it both ways. So I can I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't have a preference. I guess is well, I, well, I think it's also up to the artist. Like Al was pretty, he was pretty adamant on. It's staying true to the pressing, like art. It's whatever people want. People, some people are uncomfortable with like, you know, fanfare. I mean, I'll just share this story. Mm -hmm. Like, the descendants have their masters back. They they've got. There's a thing you can do as an artist after about 35 years. You can file this thing. It's called 203 with the government, and you can get your copyrights back for your masters. Mm -hmm. Just in North America, and a lot of bands have done that. And then Circle Jerks had done that. That's why we got those masters. Um, they had gotten theirs back from SST for North America. That's how it works. SST owns the rights for the world. They own from North America now. And I obviously 
loved the descendants. And I went and had it's I went, I chased the descendants around because they were twin circle jerks. Yeah. And was trying to sign them. And or so I'm trying to get him to, to agree to go to trust. And I sat down with Bill and Milo at a dinner and I start doing my song and dance, my pitch of deluxe packaging and blah, blah, blah. And Bill Stevenson goes, like we were talking about a coffee table book from Milo goes to college, a coffee table book with all these, like the motor, with all these discs in there and live. He goes, a coffee table book. He looks over at Milo and goes, since when did punk rockers get so arrogant that they think the world needs a coffee table book of their record? And I just was like, bless you, Bill Stevenson, man. You are the fucking real deal. And so if we ever did a deal with the sense, it's just going to be what they want. Because at the end of the day, it's what these people want. Like, I can make a pitch for stuff. Like, right. Youth Brigade is a hybrid of both of the things we're talking about. Because mm-hmm. with Youth Brigade, uh, that record hadn't been in its original packaging in a long time. The Sound and Fury. The Sound of Fury, yeah, that's what you're talking Sound about. Sound of Fury had been repackaged to sync with California, the CD, and it has like this Eastern European art that Sean Stern really loves. Spelled with a K and a J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I got that somewhere around here. Yeah, and, and, and the originals, a Youth Brigade, Sound and Fury, the artwork was, I think, done by his aunt or maybe even his mom. It's like this hand drawing. It's just so great. It's like punks running down the street. Classic artwork. So we were like, we got to restore it to that. But that's also the second pressing. There's a first pressing of Sound and Fury. There was about 800 copies made. And that pressing was scrapped because it was, they didn't like it. I mean, they get, you can, if you hear both side by side, you A and B it, the band grows light years in that one year. So the Sound mm-hmm. and Fury that everyone really knows from Sync with California is classic. And the other one sounds kind of like demo-ish in a way. Anyway, the idea was we'll just package them both. And so we do, we're, we did a deluxe book, kind of like those Motorhead books we were talking about where both versions are in it and it's just unseen photos and flyers. It's, it's curated like an art book, high quality, the boss cover, like a real, it has nothing to do with the packaging. It's completely right. separate, but we also are releasing the regular version. So we did that as a pre-order. If you want that, you can come to Dita's, our trust records and just buy it online. If you go to a retail store, it'll be that. And we only made 500 of the deluxe book. So, I mean, you know, my point is, as I'm long winded here, is there's just, there's different roads. There's multiple paths. Anytime you put out a release but it all starts with what the artist wants it to be. And then from there, you just kind of make that happen. Well, it's good. I like that. It's not restrictive that we do this and we only do this, but I guess there is something restrictive about trust records is that it's all reissues. Is that the way it's going to stay? It is like uh, it's (laughs) immediately. I had this idea. I go, man, we should do an imprint because we, the part of the world if you know, if you're following hardcore and punk rock today, the punk the hardcore scene, and especially in America, well, actually in Europe too, it is thriving. It is one <laughs> of the biggest scenes happening. I mean, I'm, I mean, you know, it starts with Turnstile, like everyone knows Turnstile, but like under that is Drain and freaking Gel and Scowl and Military Gun and High Viz and like all these incredible young bands that all have kind of this hardcore ethos to them. Um, so we have this idea is like it'd be really nice to do a, a new label that tapped into them because they're part of the, our story and then kind of had the old label try to try to marriage them. But man, we're just trying to do a good job with this label right now. <laughs> you know, time. We feel yeah. we get trust records into a good place. It's kind of, it's maybe in the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, every, everything we've talked about, you know, seven inch of the, you know, like sub pop singles club, mm-hmm. um, and we've also talked about like, where does this record label go as far as, you know, 
eras, like right now, DFL is a nineties record. We'll put out some more records this year, 2024 that come from the nineties. And we even talked about going into like early two thousands. Um, just as long as it's kind of in the spirit of underground punk and hardcore. And it feels like art that kind of tells the whole story with what we have. It, we, we would want to work with it, you know? Yeah, that's cool. And I, I, I do like that. You're not necessarily going chronologically because then you got kind of stuck in certain eras, I've watched people try to do like chronological type projects where they get, you kind of get to a dead spot and you're like, well, I'm going to get through this and you lose a lot of people. Yeah. You, you, and you lose, you kind of lose your mind. <laughs> it's so hard, to, it's so hard to, to kind of curate that, that way. I mean, I think like, I, and I also kind of think like, you know, at the end of the day, like we're talking about physical releases, but our real mission is to make sure the digital track did right. the, the streaming is like, track if you go see our stuff on streaming we've purposely branded it like trust edition i have to separate it from what you what you will see because if you're you know in our mind if we can build the trust brand as as something that's you know like criterion collection based like as a model like oh this is this is high quality stuff it's remastered it's sonically pleasing they've done everything they can make the packaging cool um that'll go a long way too because then you can kind of start reaching out and doing whatever with other bands because it, it, i'll say this the, the the every time we put out a release a bunch of bands will hit me up uh and which is great because i was chasing them and, and now we're just trying to chase each other to figure it out have you gotten to the awkward point of uh of having to say no yes but that's uh, that sucks doesn't it I, I i have it just with this and it's I think I figured out how to do it now, but every time it's like, oh man, this is just weird. It's because like, I guess I come from this punk rock hardcore world that's built on community. Like it's built on the thing that was made it special or it's probably still special is, is the bands and the fans and the zines and the photographers and the venues, they all kind of work together. There's no hierarchy. That was kind of the spirit of it. It's like hierarchy, like classism in music is that's for rock and roll. That's for Led Zeppelin. That's how this, why these bands came to be is because they were like, fuck that worry with each other. So any, every band is valuable. And like any band, if, if, if you are a band and you put out a record, that's probably somebody's favorite record. You know, taste is like arbitrary. Like whatever I like is not going to be what you like. Doesn't mean either great or bad. It just that's just how it is. That's why I hate awards for music because it's like how you rate music sales. You know, <laughs> so I think I think the thing is is like, yeah, you you got to be. It's hard because you're just basically. It's like I'm, it's just it's hard to tell someone no because at the spirit of what we're doing, they should be included. They should be part right. of it. There's no reason why they shouldn't be part of it. Every band should could be on should be able to be on trust records, right? Because yeah. what's why? Well, who are we discriminate? The point is, you can't all be, you know. There is a there is a financial model to it, so you can't put everything out on on vinyl. And you know, right, there's got to be there's got to yeah. be like a threshold, you know. There's yeah. got, you got to, and it's hard to. It's like you said, it's totally objective. So to say, and, and, and I think yes, yeah, but I think like what we're doing is as we absorb catalogs, you know, we kind of have a threshold. We've done some the math of what we need to sell physically to break even on the project, right? Mm-hmm. If we look at something and we inherit, like I've told a couple bands like this, of this, and anyone on BYO can hit me up if they hear this, and I'll tell them the same thing. We'll let you just take your physical stuff. If, if we can't put it out, you have every right to put out. If we own those masters, you can still put out the physical yourself and have all the money because I, we don't want to be restrictive like that. We still like to, we're still going to keep your digital stuff because, you know, in my mind, I think Matt's in 20 years, 
it'll be a digital world probably completely. And, and then you're, then all that matters is the digital releases is to, you know, put those in, in the museum space or some sort of place where they're protected. Um, well, we'll see, dude. Like, you know, like I have, I have a, I have a bad habit, I guess, where I don't really say no to people too. Like I, I kind of say, yeah, ma- let's keep talking. Two <laughs> <laughs> years for talking. And I'm like, ah, can't do it. Can't, can't let you down. I just said to somebody or somebody messaged me recently this week, maybe. And they were like, how do you know, how do we go about doing this thing? And I was like, well, you need to be patient and persistent with me because I know the same thing. I'm not going to outright. I'm going to keep putting off. And then eventually I'll be like, you know, fuck yeah. it, let's do it. And maybe that's like, not the, it's not good, but it's no, you know. terrible. It's a terrible habit I have. And so, well, and then the thing is in like, I live out here in Los Angeles. It's always like, like the joke is, especially in like, the entertainment industry, which I'm part of, it's like, if no one hits you back, the answer is no. It's just the Hollywood no, right? It's always been like, oh, you got the Hollywood no. Like they just didn't answer your email. They don't like respond to anything. That means no. Right. <laughs> but right. they're just That's too cowardly to say it. They're just too cowardly to say like, no. <laughs> Silence is sometimes the best yeah. option though. Yeah. But I, hey, so speaking of California, you mentioned BYO a couple of times. A lot of the bands or West coast bands, the trust records put out SSD is the first thing I've seen from the East coast coming from the label. What's with the bias, man. Uh, it's not, it's a real conversation. It's actually why we're going slower than we probably could because of the acquisition of circle jerks and BYL. BYL is pretty West coast based. Right. It's, yeah. I mean, seven seconds is Reno, but it's almost That's West like, coast to me. Yeah. And so we really wanted, it's a, it's, it's, you know, we'll put out SNFU cause that's a BYO thing and that's Canadian, but like, yeah, it's, it's a conscious thing. Like we, we are conscious about that. We, you know, that's why we're so excited to have SSD um, because that was part of the thinking. But also if you look at it, like discord is a Washington DC label. So anything that's in our stratosphere, it's on discord. It's not going anywhere, nor should it. It's fine. It's freaking doing the best job you could probably do with it. Mm -hmm. You know, then you go up to the other labels New York is revelation for the most part of that. And that's our good friend, Jordan, you know, like, so they're still an active label. There's not a lot of properties out there on the West and East coast that we were chasing. We were chasing a band called Kraut that we didn't get. We were chasing Chromags, which we still have those conversations. Um, but that's a big mess legally. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a whole nother podcast. I'll tell you that. I've been in that rabbit hole. I've been that foxhole with those kids for a minute. I've been on here with a couple of them already. I know. Yeah, but I know I, so you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's a and it's but it's also like that that the agnostic front Roger's a good friend. Uh, you know, he has his masters and he and Vinny have a they have a plan and they like the plan. Uh you know, I I've I I like I look at a label like Chris Ren's Bridge Nine is something, mm-hmm. and Chris and I become pretty de- good friends uh because of the label. And a camaraderie. And like, that's a label that if he, you know, I would love to partner with him on that. Cause I, I look at, like, I look at the band have heart as as big as important as SSD. I mean, they're connected. Well, the things we carry is what is one of my favorite hardcore albums ever, ever. Uh, I mean, it's ever. Brilliant. And I, and I think people think I'm ridiculous when I say that, but I think it's incredible. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so those are the things. So you're, you're very conscious of it, but what are the records? SSD is great. Um, there'll be a couple other East coast bands coming out next year on our, on our label. I'm trying to think, yeah, it'll be a little West coast heavy for a second, but, but it's conscious. <laughs> it's not the plan. I would love to like, you know, but a lot, like you look at touch and go touch and go kind of curates all this Midwest Chicago stuff. 
Corey's, you know, I kind of inactive with it, but it's a pretty great label. You know, you'd have to buy the whole label, which we would do, but I don't think like, you know, he's willing, ready to go that route. Right. And that's just, well, no, those I'm are just the, giving you shit. So I, no, no, you know, you're, I'm, I'm but, on the East coast. So I got it. No, no. You're if giving a shit is you're right on, dude. It is a <laughs> conversation we have constantly, like how to get more East coast blood. <laughs> Well, like you said, and as you said it, I was going through my head, Nick. Yeah, a lot of them, a lot of the classic stuff is pretty tied up by and and in good hands, I should say. It's in good hands. Yeah. But I mean, look at like the Chromax, the conversation we had when I talked earlier about the origins of the label and what wasn't available for streaming. When we had that initial conversation, the Chromax Age of Coral was not available to stream. So that was where we were like, that, how that record must be saved. Like you can't. It's Age of Coral is the greatest hardcore. In my, like if I was doing like a f- top five hardcore records, Age of Coral is battling in my canon for number one. In my world, that record is so powerful to me. Um, it's in my top five for sure. Yeah, like I get, but it, but it's one of those things. Like I went down, it, me and Harley become good friends, and I've always known John. Um, but it's tough. It's tough because everyone knows there's drama between the members, and aside from that. If you go on Spotify or whatever stream platform right now, you'll see Age of Coral and Best Wishes are up there through Harley, which is the Chromex. He's the, the trademark owner of the Chromex and through Profile, which is their old label. So all that tells you is there is a dispute of who owns, owns the rights. And these streaming services don't know either or else they would <laughs> tell one to take them down or they don't care. But you know what I'm right. saying? So those are it's just so messy in that world that you kind of get in. You're like, I can't do anything. You guys are going to have to figure it out. And hopefully you will. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that, that'd be a cool one, though. Uh, oh but, my god, you know. it'd be amazing! It'd be, yeah. it'd be, um, it's an incredible record. But speaking of records, records that you are putting out, the uh, kids will have her say comes out my birthday, November seventeenth, officially, right? right? Yeah, birthday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. What are you most excited about about the official release of the SSD record? Oh, it's yeah. <laughs> There's so much like it's, it's one of those things. Like, so when I say this, so Al Barrill and I, we started talking three years ago and we talked every week and Al's a talker. I would call him on my way to the warehouse. We talk every week for three years. So you build this incredible friendship that's deeper than just artists. They will do so. And, 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 and all his, everyone knows him. He's tough to work with sometimes, but it's not intentional. He's just, got so much going on. He has, he sees things. And the reason that that dude is forged ahead to make like this incredible band, this incredible life for himself. And he's just in his head a lot. So it was hard to try to get all his ideas and his dreams out. Um, and to see, I would say probably 80% of his wishes come to fruition. Like it is such a feel good, like just the press, like just knowing that like this dude is being, and his bandmates Springer and Chris Foley and Jamie those dudes are being recognized in 2023 by some of the music press, definitely by people who buy records. They're having a moment together. And that's a fucking, that's the whole point of the label. Cause you're just like, dude, we were able to, you know, people gave up on that record because it's hard. So like, I'm not kidding when I said it took three years of conversation to get there. <laughs> Most people have conversations one, two, three times. It's, it's over. Cause Al's got, we went through three or four deals because we would present a deal and he'd be like, Nah. And then he presents something else that didn't make sense to us or it, it, to our credit didn't make sense for him either. We were like, this is actually a worse deal than we're presenting. <laughs> you. you know, like trying to help you. 
but that's what it's about. Dude. Like, it's just like, like it gets almost emotional for me knowing that in on the 17th, like this record is in the freaking people's hands. And I know how many we've sold and we've sold. It's the fastest selling record we ever had. We put up 1500 on our web store and they all sold out in 26 minutes, which is unheard of for what we do. I mean, I, I mean, it's not for Taylor Swift, but for what we're doing, like, like circle jerks was a big seller, but also like, I don't always consider circle jerks a much bigger band. Right. Right. SSD man. Don't let them fool you. Those kids, people wanted that record. And it's just, a, it just feels great. Uh, knowing that like, you know, these guys are having, a, they're having a, a victory lap and there's something they didn't even want. Like they didn't, that they're not those people. Al's not a guy to celebrate himself. He doesn't care. He makes them uncomfortable, but he allowed us to celebrate him. And that's what's, a, that's why we do the label. Dude, Matt and I just texted each other yesterday about something. And we're like, this is why we do the label. Cause look at how stoked people are about SSD. That's awesome. What better reason to do a label? I think it's very cool. I mean, obviously it hits a lot of things for me. Hardcore punk is my favorite music ever. And yeah. I love records and I love, you know, like reissuing this stuff that uh, I couldn't get my hands on before. It's just, uh, yeah. it's yeah. like, it's meaningful. Not, it's not just meaningful for you, you guys too. It's meaningful for people like me who get to like, fuck yes, finally we, we get to have it. Hey, and, yeah, uh, exactly. And, and that's, that's the point. So that's why that record, especially there's circle jerks. I mean, they've all been great, but that one in the circle jerk group sex, those are the two records that if I ever tell the trust record story, it will be benchmarks. Cause I'm like that SSD record, man, it was chasing like the Holy grail. And mm-hmm. like, we, I mean, we had given up on it. Me and Al, we hadn't submitted Al a deal in a year for six months, maybe. And at the beginning of the year, 2023, I was just like, all right, man, what about this? And he's like, okay. And I was like, are you serious? And he goes, yeah. Well, I'm like, okay. And then about six weeks later, he's like, I don't know if I want to do it. And I'm like, you just take all the time you need. But I think, uh, you know, his, his wife, Nancy, um, she's been great. And she's, she's, I think she probably pushed him a little bit, but now that we're, it's one of those things like, if we had put that, if he had said yes, three years ago, we put this SSD record out, it would not have been, it would have been a disappointment probably to him. It probably would have still sold well, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been, it took an understanding of him and him understanding us. It took us together. It took a re- building a relationship to put out a person's record properly because we are not a label. Like, you know, we don't have shareholders. Like I have Matt. And so like, like, and he, all he cares about is stoking dudes out. So like it, we are in such a different lane than most labels. Cause we don't really care if we make money. <laughs> You know, like, we want to, we want to break even, but we care about you know, doing good work and like having these celebrations of people that meant so much to us, you know, like, like SSD, that's a record that means a lot to people. It should. And it shows it's fucking crushing in sales. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Well, what can you say is ahead for trust records? Sure. Uh, the next record we have coming out, Stalag 13 in Control, which is another West Coast gem. It's a great record. <laughs> we actually signed that. That's a that's a personal favorite of mine and Matt's. So that was like a kind of a one of those records. We're the right age when it came out. So it was always in our collection and we always listened to it. So we had talked to Blake and Ron Baird, the original singer who's actually back in the band. We talked to them years ago before. They're one of they're maybe even the third band we signed. But it's just one of those things where that record's been in print. So we want to get it right. And there's so much crazy unseen photos and Ron, the singer wrote this really cool essay, like essay about the history of the band from his perspective, you know, he's a, he's a uh, African-American. So like, he's one of the early, you know, people of color in our scene and coming from that scene, not a lot of people of color as anyone who's from the eighties knows. So it's great to have his perspective. Um, That's the next record. 
Then we'll go right into SSD get away. Uh, it's important that that comes out pretty quickly and that'll come out. Then it'll be seven seconds new wind. And there's something, there's, there's something in that record that I can't say uh, that's going to really stoke people out. And then, yeah, we get into like, um, we're putting out the band Hepcat. So Hepcat came on with the BYO purchase and they have a record called Scientific. And I, I love Hepcat. Like Hepcat's a really cool, uh, those who don't know, it's a great, um, traditional ska band, but from like the late eighties, early nineties, uh, that record will come out in summer. SF I remember years. Hepcat. The first time I heard Hepcat was on the same comp as the first time I heard DFL. Uh, so there you go. Now I got to get my hands fun. on that comp and reissue it. That comp's the key. <laughs> yeah. the, comp's, the comp's the source of everything we do. Um, but then SF will come out and then there's the back end of the year is a little open. It's got some things that I can't say, but there's a couple of them that I think are really like, you know, they're really stoked people out. Um, there'll be, there's an East coast band that I think will surprise people, but I think people will be stoked we're doing it. And then there's something else I can't divulge that if it comes to fruition, man, you'll know it. Anyone who hears this will be like, Oh, this is what he was talking about. It's like a surprise of a lifetime kind of thing, but we'll see. You know? <laughs> cool. now, well, maybe some of these don't come to fruition. Like there's sometimes they just die at the vine. That's that was, has to do with my next question. Um, and maybe you, maybe trust records hasn't been, around long enough for it to happen but are there any records that you've had to say fuck it it's a dead end we can't do it well i mean like look at the black flag catalog on sst right. i've had some conversations with them um that's not really gone anywhere like that the to me the records that there's there's the dead candy records which i think are so crucial to the story of not just music but america in general and political movements in america i mean it's the early dead candies is some of the greatest shit you'll ever hear. That's all fucked up because everyone knows there's disputes between Jello and the other guys and right. the masters have been reverted back to the other guys. So you'd have to bring, we would never put out, pro, you know, everyone, part of what we're doing is bringing everyone to the table. So we're not putting out dead candies records without Jello. I'm not sure you can make that happen. You know, black flags, another story that's kind of with Greg. you know, it's obviously with Greg Ginn and SST and that they've, there's, they're tough. Like, you know, I mean, there's Greg Ginn's a hero to us. And I would love to get my hands on that. I don't think he's a guy who will ever give him up. Um, bad brains are another one. They have their yeah. masters back. Uh, but that's a little bit chaotic too. And, and and that's kind of, they've already kind of reissued them. So even if we got them, it would, we'd have to punt that out for years. I mean, there's all kinds of those bands, anyone you can think of, we would want like the Chromags. Like I said, that's a perfect example. We went after it because it wasn't available. We put a contract in front of them we made a deal basically with Harley where we were like, Hey man, like we'll go broker. We want all five guys. We're not putting out and that includes Paris. And that's mm -hmm. that, that would be tough because I'm sure he'll say no, but we won't do it without <laughs> everyone. The point is, you mean he doesn't want to do anything with his high school band. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah. As, the, as he calls it. <laughs> yeah. The, but the point is, is we, we went all, did all this work and all this conversation. And then, their old record label profile put the, put them back up. They hadn't been up. And so then it was an issue. It was like, oh shit, I guess they own the masters. And then it's like, like, no, we own the masters. And then you're like, you guys got to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's tough because all I want to do is put that fucking record out one day. Maybe we will. But yeah, there's a lot, man. And there'll, there'll always be stuff. There'll always be stuff that you chase. You can't get like, I doubt we'll ever get black flag, but that's like, to me, like in what we're talking about here, like the Black Flag, all of those records, even the last ones with Rollins, Loose Nut and freaking 10 half inch, whatever that shit is, all of it's important. It's, and it's all, imagine remastering Black Flag 
the my war record if you could remaster that sonically i'm sure greg has the tapes that thing would be fucking brutal to hear in, in modern times right now it's a fucking sounds like you're listening to a cassette tape <laughs> yeah but it's 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 good to have these white whales these holy grails you yeah know, you have to it's, it's, it's like look man the journey is always the most important part right like right. You, we got goals but the ssd one it was a goal getting it out just feels the journey was what was rewarding, right? Like the, the product is, it's always coming and you're on to the next one. This is a journey where you grow and learn. there you have it that was my conversation with joe nelson of trust records the song you just heard was how much art of course that is all for the kids will have their say by ssd if you want to see a cool music video trust records paired up with six stair productions to make a music video for that track 40 years late but worth the wait i'd say you'll agree as long as you go check it out 
And while you're there, while you're checking out that stuff, check out the other videos that uh, Trust Records has put up. They have a really great uh, series. I think it's called One to You Me. I think I'm getting that right. There's a lot of uh, one-on-one interviews from notable people in the past and present in the punk and hardcore world. Go sit through those, check them out, or they just got clips, break them down, easily to digest. I'd also recommend watching the preservation efforts of Trust Records. It's a, it's a, it's a series and they're going to dive into various subjects that align with their, uh, their mission. Uh, check that out. There's so much cool stuff happening with trust records. And, uh, I want to thank Joe for his time, for explaining a lot of it to me and for just, uh, even the stuff that we didn't get to, because there's so much out there and it's a extremely cool project. And it's something that people have wanted forever. And if they didn't know it now, they do. Thank you as well for taking the time to listen to this podcast, specifically this episode or any episode. I appreciate those of you who check in from wherever you're at on the earth. And uh, I've really enjoyed doing these record label uh, episodes. Uh, So far, I've stuck to one a month. Does that continue in 2024? Maybe more, Uh, maybe less scheduled. Maybe I just work them in uh, as I feel like it, like I do with the other bands. I know last week was just Tank Crimes records and that was great. It's been really fun to kind of get the information straight from the horse's mouth as far as the label side and some of the stories that go along with these entities that exist in our world of underground music. I should probably branch out, though, and go overseas for some record label talk. And I'm not sure where exactly to start with that, but I'm going to find somebody. Hey, speaking of overseas. Let's go overseas for the last track on this episode. Let's end things with some power violence from Belgium, some celebrity themed power violence from Belgium. Let's play a track from Travolta. They've got a new record. Well, it came out earlier this year. It's called Disco Violence Up Yours. And this track is called Brainless Mess. If you like what you hear, check them out. They are on Give Praise Records and they rip. So here it is, Travolta, Brainless Mess. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.